Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Great to have you with us, 701. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day to you, Randy. How you doing? I'm doing well. It feels like Hump Day got here in a hurry this week. Well, it feels like Tuesday, but it's Wednesday. This is fantastic. I'm loving this. Cardinals scheduled to wrap up their series with the Padres this afternoon at the ballpark. However, that looks to be in severe danger because Michelle just checked the weather forecast and the weather forecast for today in St. Louis is not very conducive to playing major baseball or minor league baseball or literal league baseball, whatever the case might be. Baseball outdoors and St. Louis don't mix today. No, we have a hundred percent chance of rain through about 10 a.m. Then it drops to 70, but basically it's going to be raining all day in St. Louis up until about 3 a.m. So, we probably will have this one rained out. We'll probably have a makeup game later in the season. And the Cardinals will maintain their winning streak after knocking off the Padres last night at the ballpark in 10 innings by a score of 3-2. to two. And it was like back to the future last night, wasn't it? Why? Because Albert Pujols was the hero and Adam Wainwright was, yeah. was absolutely throwing gas for sure. It was unbelievable. It was a scoreless game in the third inning when Brendan Donovan uh, led off with a walk. Tommy Edmonds struck out, and that brought the red hot in May Paul Goldschmidt to the plate. Goldschmidt, base hit. The hitting streak continues, and it's an extra base hit. On his way to second, Donovan will score. It's a historic double for Paul Goldschmidt. 23rd extra base hit here in the month of May, and no other Cardinal has done that, and he drives in Donovan, 1 0 St. Louis. What a month for Goldie, huh? And we have a chance to see some of the greats ever. And Dan and Brad were talking about it last night on the telecast, Michelle. Goldie is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Mm-hmm. If if the Hall of Fame voting continues as it has been lately, and he plays four or five more years, and there's no reason to believe he won't be able to play at a high level for at least a couple more years, he has a chance. Would love to see him add some hardware to that resume, Mm -hmm. namely a World Series championship, perhaps an MVP this season. Good. But he's just been outrageous. We asked Mike Claiborne yesterday, I asked if he was even human because it's hard to believe that this guy doesn't have some sort of, uh, um, you know, computer system in him because he just seems like a robot. Every time he comes up, you know it's going to happen, Randy. Of Goldie's last 30 hits, 18 have been for extra bases, 9 home runs, 9 doubles. He's been making such an impact for this team. Incredible. He's been 
phenomenal. He moved up to third on a wild pitch by Block A. Snell and then <laughs> scored on a sack fly by Albert Pujols. And the Cardinals were feeling pretty good because they had that 2 nothing lead and Adam Wainwright with seven shutout innings. And by the way, Adam will join us at 9.15 today. He allowed two hits, he walked one, and struck out ten. So how did Bueno feel about his outing against the Padres on a Tuesday night? I had very good commands tonight. First time all year that I've commanded everything. Um, everything was working for the most part. Um, both sides and up and down. Yeah, about time, huh? What took me so long? Pretty impressive for a four, well for anybody. That'd be a great performance by a 28 year old, but that was a really impressive performance by a 40 year old. And think about some of the performances he's already had this season. And here he is being like, "What's the, what took so long for <laughs> right. me to have an outing like this?" But he really did have such great command last night. Wayno was absolutely dealing. Giovanni Gallegos came on in the top of the eighth inning. He allowed a double to Alfaro before Trent Grisham hit a two-run homer, tying the game at two. So to extra innings we go. And uh, with Verhagen, or Chris Vanderha, as you might like to call him at some point, uh, on the mound for the Cardinals, Kim flied out. And by the way, Azokar ran for the Padres. So Kim flied out, Alfaro struck out looking, and Grisham walked to bring up Jerickson Profar. The 0-2. Ground ball left side, base hit against the shift, the throw by Newpar, a strike to the plate! Oh, he got him! It's an outfield assist with the game on the line! Nude here at Bush Stadium, a bullet from left, and the game stays tied! And Michelle, that was a difficult throw. He's coming in to his left, Mm -hmm. and he's a right-handed thrower, and makes an absolutely perfect throw. It was an absolute laser. It was such a difference maker in this game. And Lars Newbar, when given those opportunities, needs to have moments like that. Yep. He needs to show what he can do. But that was a, a big highlight in this game, Randy. I went back and watched that throw uh, about two or three times on Twitter last night, and it was just really impressive. And so the Cardinals go to the bottom of the 10th inning. Runner aboard, Paul Goldschmidt starts off the inning with an intentional walk. I'd do that if I were the Padres, too. Me, too. And after Nolan Arenado fouled out, Tommy Edmonds stole third. He obviously had started the inning at second base, and that brought Albert Pujols to the plate. And the one-two pitch to Albert Pujols. Albert, a liner out to left. Edmund, he'll tag up. Throw to the plate is not in time, and Pujols wins it for St. Louis in the 10th. 3-2. And so Albert, coming home to St. Louis, gets a little bit more glory at Bush Stadium. I think bring great, great memories, you know, obviously, you know, some great ones uh, from the past. But like I say, uh, at the end of the day, just do whatever I had to do to help this ball club to win. And, you know, whenever I'm out there in the lineup or, or on the bench, you know, helping the young guys. So I'm just uh, excited that I come through tonight and, you know, we end up winning the game. His 15th overall walk-off with the Cardinals, first so far this season, and I I would have walked Goldie, too. There's no one hotter in baseball right now. But I just love the thought of walking someone else to get to Albert Pujols mm-hmm. and that he's the one that makes you pay. It was a great win. The Cardinals now a season high. Seven games over 500, 28 and 21. And with last night, the Cardinals remain four games. Or I'm sorry, they get to within three of 
the Brewers, who lost to the Cubs 8-7. to That was, in totality, just a really entertaining night of Cardinal baseball. Adam Wainwright was such a delight to watch. I love watching the young guy in Lars Newbar have a big moment. Uh, Tommy Edmond with some, with some really impressive plays. Albert Pujols is the hero in the 10th. Nolan Arenado, Randy, gets a hit in the first inning. He he snaps an 0-for-17 slump. There's just a lot of good things working for the Cardinals last night. And this will be a big weekend. After today, if they get rained out, they go to Chicago for 5 And the Cubs, last night's win against the Brewers notwithstanding, they're beat up and they're struggling. And this is a great opportunity for the Cardinals just to bank wins. Are they going to win the division? Nobody knows. But as we mentioned in the first week of the season, Cardinals have to bank wins against the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. Oh, that's the strategy is beat up on the teams in your division. Put yourself in a position to be neck and neck with the Brewers. And then what did you say? 500 against everybody else? Yep. And basically, they've been able to do that. I think they need to be actually a little bit better against the terrible teams than they have been. That Losing two or three to Baltimore will hurt when Mm -hmm. you're in a, a tight race down the stretch. And when you... I think it was a split with Arizona. You just you can't have those if you're going to be a team that expects to win a division. You can be a play uh, playoff team. You can be a wild card team, but you just have to dominate those teams. But it is June first, Randy, and I think a lot of people in St. Louis still haven't shaken the horror of last June for the Cardinals, and they're hoping for a different outcome. This June, I guarantee it'll be better. It can't get any worse than there it was last go. year. <laughs> that's what that was. That's exactly what my thought process was there. That they have no choice but to be better. Michelle, we're going to talk later on in the program about the the Blues and uh, the reaction yesterday to uh, the the end of season loss to the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Who, by the way, had an unbelievable game last night. Eight six, the win over Edmonton. Old nineteen eighties fire wagon hockey last night. 14 goals, 13 different goal scores. Mm-hmm. And when you watch Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and then on the other end, Nathan McKinnon, I, I chuckle, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. McCarr had no goals, three assists against the Blues in six games. Last night he had a goal and three assists in game one. Yep. <laughs> All their guys got going last night. Well, yeah. almost everybody on both sides got going last yeah. night. But McKinnon got one. McCarr got one. Uh, Landeskog got one. Nazem Kadri got one. Brandonen got one. All the stars were, were punching it in last night. Yeah. So, somehow I think the Blues play a little bit better defense than Edmonton does. I think so. Yeah. So the Blues did lose, but they felt like they had a pretty good season. Colton Pareko on the entirety of the season yeah I think obviously uh, seasons are long obviously the past couple years we had 82 season game season and lots of ups and downs obviously a lot of injuries I thought we had a lot of guys step in at different times um, I think that was one of the, the keys of our team is our depth and um, not even the guys that we had up here but some of the guys that came in from uh, the AHL and um, obviously that's huge when you when you know you have that depth and obviously they're playing really good hockey down there right now too um, I believe they haven't lost yet in the playoffs. So, um, But from our team perspective, I think, I don't know, like Benner said, I thought we grew throughout the year. Had a really good start. Um, maybe some ups and downs a little bit through, throughout the season, which I think you're going to see through a lot of team seasons, and that's normal. And then had a really good finish. And uh, I think, I guess we're all obviously disappointed. I think we, we knew we had a really good team. Um, we're really close, and uh, obviously... So the Blues feel like they could have done more, but they wound up having a pretty good season. They did, but don't you feel like it was left incomplete? Um, 
Well, yeah, because Bennington got hurt. Yeah, that's how I feel. But, and I and I think that they would, too. They know that they could have beaten Colorado. And that's yeah. tougher to swallow. If you just get beat outright by a better team, yeah, it really stings. But you kind of stick tap. You're better. Mm-hmm. But I think for the Blues, this one is going to sit worse than some other early exits in the playoffs because they know had Jordan Bennington been healthy, had Tory Krug been healthy, this could have been a completely different series. Yeah, they play a game that matches up well with Colorado. I don't know. Boy, Tampa looks great right now. I, I don't know if they, with the way Vasilevsky is playing again, if mm-hmm. they match up really well with Tampa, but you go to the finals and you take your chances, right? If you get to the finals, you take your chances. Anything can happen. Yeah, and it has before. Yes, it has. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. We've got Ask Uncle Randy on a Wednesday on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. All right, if you got a question for Uncle Randy... Now's your time to get it into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And Michelle has your questions for Uncle Randy. Michelle, take it away. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, my birthday is on Friday. Congratulations. Happy birthday to you. Yes, happy birthday indeed. And my firstborn child is due on Monday. Okay. A lot happening for this person. Busy. Good. Congratulations. The wife gave me the okay to go out for 18 one more time on Friday before my schedule changes with the baby. Where would you go to play solo? Okay, so you you have one opportunity. You want to play your fa- I, I assume you want to play a public course in the area. My first suggestion would be to head over to the very serene Waterloo, Illinois, and play Ann Briar. There, you don't have ho- houses around the course. It's a beautiful track. It's in great shape. I played there a couple of weeks ago. So that would be choice number one for me. Now. Our friends over at the Missouri Bluffs do a fantastic job. So if you're closer to the St. Charles County, St. Louis County area, and you don't want to make that 45-minute drive, then I would suggest going to Missouri Bluffs. Both great options. Yep. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm an HR manager, and I have to choose an eastern or western territory. I would have to travel to either Seattle or Charlotte once a quarter. Please give me your insight on these cities and help me decide. Okay, I... So the first thing I think about is sports stuff, right? So from that perspective, from the food perspective, if I'm traveling, kind of think of it, even though it's for work, think of it as a mini vacation. If you were going to choose a vacation, would it be Seattle or would it be Charlotte? I would go with Seattle. You have the opportunity to see the Kraken play. You get a chance during the summer to see Major League Baseball with the Mariners. Obviously, during the fall months, you can, you can see pro football in either area. And I, I would suggest, and this is just me, that the seafood is going to be better in Seattle than in Charlotte. So <laughs> even though the travel is going to be more difficult for Seattle, if you're flying out of St. Louis, I would do Seattle over Charlotte. That would be my choice. Yeah, if you have time to get out and do things when you're there, mm-hmm. Seattle all day. Yeah. Now, if if it's all about convenience, then Charlotte, 
their airport's easy. It's easy to fly in there and fly out. If, if you only are going to be there for work, then you take the easiest to travel. From the 618, dear Uncle Randy, my sixth year wedding anniversary is this weekend. I have no idea what to get my wife other than a card and flowers. Is there a fail-safe idea that you have come up with or learned over the course of your anniversaries? Well, you can do several things. Number one, ask her what she would like for an anniversary present. You can never go wrong with candlesticks. Uh, that's. I think you can never go wrong with jewelry, I would say. But my thing would be, I would say, do something special for her. And six is a serious number. But I would say make her dinner. Find You know what her favorite meal is. Let her relax and make her dinner. And make sure there's some white wine involved. And just enjoy each other's company. Great idea, Randy. Also, if you're going to make dinner, maybe make a playlist or something on Spotify mm-hmm. that has all of your songs on it. Those little details like that really help. Yeah, it's a great idea. And you can even like print out a menu. Print out, uh, like, the, so she doesn't know, print out a menu so that you give her a variety of choices and then have a great dessert and have a great time. Sounds awesome. Okay, this is a, a little bit of a longer one, but I think it's important. Okay. From the 573, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm having a difficult time adjusting to my new girlfriend. We grew up poor and worked really hard for what we have, and we appreciate our material things. But my new relationship was set up by a mutual friend. The girl is in the medical field, and she made significantly more money than I do. I am falling for all of her characteristics outside of her income, but she spoils me with material things. I'm afraid this is going to change my personality and work ethic. We've talked about it thoroughly, and she says that this is something I need to get used to, but I don't want to. Please give me your guidance. Go Cardinals. Your work ethic is already embedded. The way you grew up and the way that you go about life, if you're in your 20s, you're you're in your 30s, that's already embedded in, and you are going to be who you are. And you should never begrudge anybody the products of success or, or yourself. It's a good thing, as far as I'm concerned, to have somebody that you love and who loves you who can help provide and there's nothing wrong with having a little nicer things club at home but you have to appreciate them and i'm sure you will but your appreciation of those things and your work ethic will not change don't worry about that it won't change because of who you're with or how much money she makes it's also so much better to give than receive. It really and it probably is. brings her a lot of joy to mm-hmm. give you things. Right. If she's working hard for her money, it's a, probably a joy to her. And maybe she's expressing the way she feels about you through material things. Yeah. And it makes her feel good to do it. Yep. You can never go wrong surrounding yourself with people who are ultra successful. And if you fall in love with one, all the better. That's right. This one came in late, Randy, 11 p.m. It said, Dear Uncle Randy, sorry for the crazy, weird, late text. No problem. (laughs) I love that you're thinking of us at that hour. My wife and I were talking after Albert's walk-off last night. Who's on the Cardinals Mount Rushmore? Can you please discuss this tomorrow during your show? Thank you. All right. Obviously, you do have Stan and Albert at the top of your Mount Rushmore. I would put Bob Gibson up there, too. Then you have to choose between... And I'm going to go with Ozzy. So I've got Stan, Albert, Ozzy, and Gibby. 
So I'm having to leave off Rogers Hornsby and Lou Brock and Ina Slaughter and Bruce Souter and Yachty and Wayno. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it is exceptionally difficult. But I have three guys who are already in the Hall of Fame and one guy who really should be unanimous. So I have no qualms with the group that I have. Mount Rushmore only includes four. So those are the four that I will go with. I'll go with the best defensive shortstop in the history of the game. One of the best right-handed hitters in the history of the game. One of the best left-handed hitters in the history of the game. And one of the best starting pitchers in the history of the game. I don't think you can go wrong with those four, but how insane is it that you have to leave Lou Brock off the list? Yeah, it's unbelievable. 3,000 hits, second all-time in (laughs) stolen bases. Yeah, it's amazing that we have to do that. Wow, that's crazy. But you're probably right, though. Those are probably the four. Um, From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife is due with our first child next week. A lot of uh, BLIS babies coming into the world. Happy for you. Great. Next week. What advice do you have with a week to go? Okay, I've been through this. Okay, so there are a couple of things that you have to keep in mind. Number one, if you aren't having the baby induced, or if you are having the baby induced, make sure that you have that bag that you're taking to the hospital prepared with everything that she needs, clothes and uh, the, the just the stuff that goes into that bag where she has to spend some time in the hospital so that uh, she's comfortable. The most important thing is that it's all about her, all right? So make sure, because she, when you're nine months pregnant, I've never been and I never will be, <laughs> but you have to look at her. She's uncomfortable right now. And so do everything that you can to enhance her comfort level. And if she wants something to eat, if she's got an ice cream craving with the baby, make sure that she has her, go out and get her her favorite ice cream. If she wants to do something before she has the baby, she's uh, if she's not on bed rest, if she wants to go for a walk, go for the walk with her. But the big thing is make it all about her for this next week. And extremely importantly, in the couple of weeks after too, because she's exhausted. She's carrying around an extra few pounds with the baby and she's going to be exhausted after she has the baby. So those are my recommendations. Be prepared for that trip to the hospital and make it all about her. And by the way, to a previous uh, texter, if she says it's cool for you to go out and play around the golf, awesome. Because sometimes hormones have kicked in here. Sometimes she doesn't want you around all the time. So if she says, hey, go away for a couple hours, trust her. Just let me lay here. Yeah, exactly. Yes. For the 636, dear Uncle Randy, if you could sit down with sports legends from the past or present and talk with them about anything, what person would it be and why? For me, I think if I could have a real honest conversation I think I would go with Jackie Robinson just to find out what he went through Mm -hmm. in becoming the person that crossed the color barrier. There are probably three at the top of the list for me, Robinson, Ali, and Hank Aaron. I think it'd be intriguing to know about, hear some of the stories that Babe Ruth had, for example. But I I, I think I'd be more inclined to want to hear about the adversity that the three that I mentioned had to deal with. I think that'd be really interesting just to listen to them and hear some of the things that that they went through. 
Absolutely. Especially now because our athletes are so available to us with the way the media covers sports and social media. There's so many intricacies to those guys and their stories that probably haven't really been told. And they've had, obviously, we live in a society now that's really, really angry, right? Yes. But the anger that those three had to deal with, with the racism and the lack of appreciation for their humanity and their thoughts, number one, it's sad. But number two, the fact that they overcame it and all three of them wound up being real American heroes. I think that they would be really interesting to hear. Finally, Randy, from the 636, dear Uncle Randy, what do we all do with our superstitions now? Do we completely retire the ones we have for the Blues this year, or do we bring them back for next year? Asking for a friend. Yeah, you bring them back for next year. Blues were fine with the cookie cakes while they were on the road, so you can't retire the cookie cake. The, the cookie cake thing, Blues lost that baby at home. They lost three home games to Colorado, and I failed, right, Michelle? It's, I, I failed in game one of you the did. series. You did. So you, I, I don't retire the cookie cake. I don't retire the socks or shoes. No, if you have something that you're comfortable with, and especially if you can rationalize the loss despite the superstition, you keep it going. Our superstitions collectively could not have changed the Blues' fortunes without Jordan Bennington. Right. Exactly. So, and... So you just, they need to be stronger next year. Our superstitions need to work better so that things like that don't happen, that he doesn't get hurt. We need to just start them earlier probably, right? Get that juju really flowing. Yeah, right. And make sure that we're on point. I mean, y- you have to make sure that everything that you're supposed to do, you do. There are responsibilities that some of us have in <laughs> getting the Blues to win in the playoffs. Some people handle their responsibilities better better than others, clearly. So, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody, but uh, I'll be better next time. With great power comes great responsibility, Randy. You're exactly right. And I I, I failed St. Louis and Blues Nation. It won't happen again. It's okay. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. (laughs) Now I feel worse. (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Next up, and congratulations to all you people that are having babies this month. That's awesome. Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong spoke to the media yesterday, their annual post-mortem of the season. We'll hear some of what they had to say next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Craig Bruby and Doug Armstrong met with the media yesterday on the heels of the Blues being eliminated from the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Blues got eliminated last year by getting swept in the first round by Colorado. This year, they won a playoff series and went six with the Avalanche. Craig Bruby was asked about the strides the club made. Uh, the team made huge strides from last year. I thought we... We added a couple players this year, which really helped our team, Saad and Bushnevitz. Um, I think the goaltending tandem was key. Uh, Vili, Vili improved from last year tremendously. Um, and from a mental standpoint, our team this year was way different. We were in a way better spot mentally. Um, we had a real good team atmosphere. Um, you know, I thought that it was team first. Uh, this year. I thought there were struggles last year of getting that through to the guys. Um, This team here was in a way better spot. I told you guys that before going into playoffs and um, you know this is a very good team. 
but again, we didn't win. So, you know, how are we going to get better? So as a coach and staff, you know, we got to look at things and see what we, way we can improve a little bit. And we'll watch hockey here down the stretch and see how, what, what teams are doing and how, why they're successful. Pretty interesting that he kind of took a shot at last year's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that this team was together, and that's a big part of this, is having a close-knit team when you're hockey, you want, you want to play a team game. And I agree with him that this team was really good, but we underestimate two, well, not one element, Bennington being a big part of this. But I think during the playoffs, Michelle, we did t- tend to underestimate the importance of Tory Krug and he, his absence, the effect of his absence on the team. Yeah, sometimes you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And right. I think Tory Krug was a big example of that this postseason. And I, I do think it's interesting that he brought that up about last year's mm-hmm. team because this team certainly did seem to have more connectivity than they did last year, whether it's what we saw at the Winter Classic with them all dressing up as the Beach Boys together or just the depth that they've had and a lot of the the ways that we saw certain lines click together and and just the camaraderie we saw out of a lot a lot of these guys it did seem like they always thought of the team first and rather the in, uh, the individual but it still can't sting any less to me hearing Craig Bruby say that that just makes it sting more that you had taken so many strides from last mm-hmm. year and you felt that you were in a much better position to compete for a Stanley Cup and you still didn't get it done. So what do the Blues need to do to get better next season? I, I look at it and again, we're talking about goals are up this year. You know, I think that we can still be better. We can check better. I'd like to see our goals come down a little bit. Um, I thought the penalty kill was excellent this year, but uh, five on five, I'd like to see our goals come down a little bit. That'd be one area of improvement. And then I look at the whole year and, you know, you have some ups and downs. Yeah, would I like the ups and downs to be a little bit less? You know, I'd like a little more consistency. You know, night in and night out, this is what we're getting. This is what we're getting. This is what we're getting. I know it's boring. And it's probably boring for players, but you win more. We had 109 points. We probably could have probably could have 116, the way I look at it. That's a hell of a year. It's a hell of a year anyhow. But consistency and, and you know, I think that we can get our goals against down a little bit. I mean, we got to continue to score goals. We had 920 goal scores this year, which was phenomenal. <clears throat> we might not have that next year. Who knows? But we got to continue to, you know, score. And, you know, that's part of the game, right? So It's interesting. And he was a player and his staff all played. So it helps that those guys understand that sometimes playing a defensive minded game and checking every night can be boring, right? You want to dipsy do, you want to put on a show for the fans, but sometimes actually most times for a Craig Ruby team, not doing the dipsy do stuff and just doing the, the boring run of the mill for checking things. Those are the things that help you win games. And, Winning is never boring. Also, we were talking about what the identity of this team was all the way up until early spring. I mean, I think it was March even at times Mm -hmm. we were talking about what's the identity of this team. So I think that they're in a really good spot heading into next year that they not only found their identity and their game and they have that connectivity, but they can carry it over because I think that might have been something that was a little bit of a detriment to the Blues that it took them a couple months to really find themselves. And one thing, Michelle, about what he said about checking better is when you look at, and the identity in 2019 came late too, 
But look at that fourth line of Sunquist, Barbashev, Steen. Mm-hmm. Those people didn't find checking boring, and they were willing to to hit, skate, hit, and keep the puck down low. I don't know if the Blues right now have a group of players like that. They have several. I, Dakota Joshua can play that way. Barbashev can still play that way, even though he scored, what, 27 goals this year. I don't know if the Blues have what you would say is the quintessential Craig Berube fourth line. I don't know if you have those players on hand as we speak to do what he wants them to do. And I wonder where the adjustment will be. Will Army go out and bring in some personnel that can adapt to that? Or will he have to adjust what his expectations are for that fourth Mm -hmm. line? And maybe a guy like Jake Neighbors, who does like to do the boring things, maybe he fits into that mix. Now, they they look at neighbors as a top nine guy. I think what you just said is the answer. You got to go out and find those people, and maybe that's another reason that they need to open up some cap space during the off season so that they can fill in those holes that they have. Tampa's been really good at filling in and building fourth lines, and the Blues need to follow that lead. You know that Doug Armstrong's got a list and that he's been making calls, or will be. And he starts off with what he thinks is a pretty good setup. In a cap system, we're we're in a really good spot for next season. Uh, We have so many returning players under contract that, you know, obviously we have a couple of good players in uh, Perron and Letty. And other players who, so we have different guys. I don't want to single out every each guy, but we do have a lot of returning players, I guess what I'm going to say. Uh, excited about our American League team. They're undefeated in the playoffs right now. They're in the, the conference finals. We have Bull Duke and Neighbors, our, our two last first-round picks, playing very good in their respective junior leagues, trying to get to the Memorial Cup. So I think we need to have, there will be change. That's just the nature of the of pro sport and the cap system. But I, I, I do like the, the group we're bringing back. And... The main thing in terms of bringing guys back is not necessarily the players that they have under contract. It's one of the unrestricted free agents, David Perron. I feel like I've been here uh, a long time, and uh, he precedes me. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's, he's been in and out over that, that term, but uh, when I got here, he was here back in, uh, what, be 08? So he, he's been around a long time, and uh, he's, a, he's a hell of a player. He fights father time better than anyone, uh, better than 95, 99% of the NHL. Uh, what he did this, this year was, was spectacular. Uh, he Obviously, the injury that he sustained in Chicago uh, was nerve-wracking for everyone involved, but when he got back in here, he showed what he could do down the stretch and into the playoffs. He's a very good player, and more importantly, he's a better person. I've seen him grow and become a husband and a father and uh, uh, I see the influence he has on our younger players Uh, they see the competitiveness that he has on a daily basis he's a he's a true pro and uh, been a very good St. Louis Blue and if we can make it work out I'd love to I would argue Michelle that with what Doug Armstrong just said that there probably isn't a more important St. Louis Blue at the very least, tied for first is David Perron. I would say the only other person in that conversation for me would be Ryan O'Reilly or Brandon Shen. Yep. Th- those three are tied for first. They stand at tier one as far as I'm concerned um, because they all have essentially the same DNA, Randy. It's it's what Doug Armstrong just talked about, the influence that they have on the younger players. If you're a younger player and you're coming into the St. Louis Blues, those three don't even need to say a word to you. All you need to do is watch them and what they do every day. Like Army said the compete level out of all three of those guys, but specifically 
to David Perron, you can't ask for anything more out of a player, out of a person, out of a leader. He had a phenomenal season. And when you think about everything he does off the ice to help this Blues team and the way that he represents the franchise, he takes great pride in putting on that sweater every night. If I'm Doug Armstrong, this is the biggest no bra- one of the biggest yeah. no-brainers of my career. And I'm glad that he said what he did right off the top, that the Blues are set up really well for next season. They should be a playoff team again next year, and they should contend for a Stanley Cup. And I believe they know exactly what they need to do to get to that level. Is everything that they want going to be available, i.e. Matthew Kachuk this offseason? Probably not. But can they find the players and fit them under the cap to get them back to the playoffs and, and be a contender for a Stanley Cup next year? No problem. No, uh, no I, I'm not going to say no problem, but no doubt that they can do it. No doubt that they can do it. Doug Armstrong will certainly find a way to keep the window propped open. But it is going to be interesting, Randy, if you remove a Vladimir Tarasenko mm-hmm. from this team, where is that production coming from, especially in the regular season if he's not there? If Vili Husso is not part of the equation, if Jordan Bennington struggles during the the regular season, do you have somebody who's waiting in the wings? Chucky Sideburns waiting in the wings. But do you think that he will be able to jump right in and perform for the Blues the way that Vili Husso was able to? I think that we all have faith in Army to be able to put together or construct a roster that can compete. And we have all the faith in the world in Craig Berube to be able to extract the best out of those guys. But it is going to be a different team in a lot of ways heading into next year. And if they don't have Tarasenko, Kairou has to ascend from a 27-goal guy to a 35-goal guy. Robert Thomas is going to have to score 8, 10 more goals. He's going to have to shoot a lot more than he did. And when... Bruby says we probably aren't going to score as much. Those players that replace the Tarasenkos of the world, or maybe Barbashev, who has one year left on his contract, they're going to have to check. And the Blues are going to have to play less of a, an offensive style and more of what he talked about, a defensive style. Should be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It is 101 ESPN. And coming up next... We've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew. Michelle, datelined Ormond Beach, Florida. Mark okay. Harb and his buddies playing golf. He hits a nice approach shot onto the green, and a gator shows up and absconds with his ball. Takes the shot away from him. Take it or leave it. If in the Smallman Open, a gator would come and steal the ball, Michelle would be okay with allowing the opposition to dropping a new ball without penalty. Take it. You would? Yeah. I thought we were highly competitive here, and you said, nope, you, you gotta, it's a penalty. Well, you lose that ball. We are competitive, but if that was me and it was my ball, I would want that opportunity. I would just try to be fair and reasonable. That is. It's a gator. What are you gonna do? Well, you. 
Let me tell you, if a gator showed up and took the ball this moment open, it would be over. You aren't going on that green, are you? It would be over. Okay, we're in the cart. We're grabbing the beers. We're out of there. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I'm not. Pu- I'm not putting my life in the gator's hands for golf. No way. I can't believe the gator would do that. I can. Haven't you seen Happy Gilmore? Oh, it's true. Yeah. Eight chubs his hand. Yeah. He bit my damn hand off. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I guess uh, Mark Harb was not penalized and got to drop a new ball. Would you? Would you allow them to drop a ball? Well, it depends on how competitive it was. Let's see. Hey, oh. no, you go get the ball. You go get it. Where were we in the round and what was the score? Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. I see where you're going, yeah, Randy. They were playing at uh, Plantation Bay Golf and Country Club in Ormond Beach. And uh, the gator just showed up. That is the thing about Florida. Those gators are hiding everywhere. Oh, man. And you can't see them. No. My Nana used to live there, and she would have gators in her yard. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some photos of Brad Barnes with right next to a gator down in Florida. Forget it. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, last night, Randy, in the first inning, Cardinals and Padres, Nolan Arenado snapped an 0-for-17 slump with a single to right. <laughs> Nolan Arnado. Uh, then goes well. Arnado. Yeah. Arnado. There you go. Yeah, okay. There you go. Take it or leave it. That's what he needed to break open, and he's going to have a monster June. I'm going to take that. Yeah. We're going to turn that calendar page, if people still do that, and he is going to have a monster June. Yep. You're right. I used to have a great planner. And I loved writing everything in it and saying, oh, uh, let me turn the page, check the date. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy one this year because everything's in my phone. Mine too. And I really miss the planner. Yes, it was a pain to carry around, but I miss being able to write things down. I used to buy planners too, and I would write maybe in three different pages of said planner over the course of a year. I don't know why I bought them the next year, but I would. So how did, pre-phone though, how did you keep track of what you needed to do? Everything was in my head. Wow. Well, you are mega mind. Yeah. I, I didn't. I don't recall missing stuff. Maybe I did. Nobody told me about it. I was going to say, maybe you just forgot. Just like you forgot the event. Maybe you forgot you forgot. That's true. Who knows? All right. What do we got on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. It seems the Blues have lost more number one goalies in the playoffs than any other team in NHL history. I'll take that. Now, I haven't paid that close of attention, but when you lose both Fewer and Bennington, two is probably more than any other team I can think of. And to knee injuries. Two teams that had good chances. Yeah. Take it or leave it in that situation. Tommy Pham would have slapped the Gator. Take it. Yeah, I'll totally take that. Tommy Pham is not afraid of the Gator. Gator can't stab him. Gator doesn't have a knife. He doesn't got have a teeth. thumb. He's got teeth. Kind of, Pretty kind vicious of, yeah. teeth. He's kind of got some knives. Can break flesh with yeah. those chompers. The man's That's been true. stabbed twice. He's invincible. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals need another back end of the bullpen arm. Uh, can't hurt. Never does. I, would you rather have a, a starter, though, or a back into the bullpen arm? Well, I am missing, right now, Jordan Hicks and yes. Steven Matt, so I'd rather have a starter. And Jack Flaherty. Well, you yeah. see Michelle. Who's returning, but still, he's not back yet. By the way, did you see that Jay Happ retired yesterday? So from last year's Cardinals, lefty Happ, lefty John Lester, lefty Wade LeBlanc, lefty Andrew Miller, all retired, and lefty KK left Major League Baseball and went back to... Korea. So five left-handers that pitched for the Cardinals last year are no longer in Major League Baseball. That's how baseball go. That is. <laughs> we can find some more of those guys. You can always find some left-handers that are going to retire after this year. Sure. Why not? Yeah, I think maybe that, that, that'd that be a little easier. You know, I remember when the Hap and Lester moves were made and everyone in St. Louis collectively went, what? What are we 
are you doing? And then they were great. Well, remember when we had Mo on right afterward, he said, we're just trying to protect our young pitchers. We want we don't want Oviedo to be thrown into a situation here where he's going to lose every game. Yeah. It, it, those guys, those trades were made to protect those guys, the young pitchers, Woodford. Just to eat some innings. <laughs> yep, and they wound up helping the Cardinals win 17 in a row. They did. Didn't necessarily protect those guys very well, if you, if you think, think about where they both are now. But, oh well. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals finish the sweep of the Potters today, and then they go and sweep the Cubs out of Wrigley five games in four days. Leave it. I'm going to leave that. That's going to be pretty hard to do. They aren't even playing today. I don't know, because it's so like raining that hard. Let me check the updated forecast okay. here. Yeah, and this is according to the Apple weather app. It says right now it is not raining, but in the 8 a.m. hour, 70% chance of thunderstorms and rain. See, they're playing today. 9 a.m., it dips to 30. 10 and 11 a.m., 60%. Stops for an hour at noon, though. Oh, let's get the game in then. And it says 1 p.m., only a 30% chance, and then it stops at 2 before starting again at 3. So there is a window there. With which to play the game. Okay, then I'll take it. Alrighty. <laughs> now, like this one, 618. Take it or leave it. Matt Carpenter will hit over 20 home runs with the Yankees. Take it. I'll take it. Hit yeah. one last night. Looks yep. great. He's got two now. Loves that mustache. That mustache has power. It really does. That's and a man's mustache. Yeah. Also, also the short bench. Isn't it amazing that you could just shave your facial hair like that and it look you look infinitely more manly? Mm-hmm. And it also looks like you are from a different era. It really does look like he's from a different era. He looks like he's from the 70s. He's Tom Selleck. It looks like he is going to change into some flared pants and get in his Thunderbird to leave the ballpark. Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> let Matt Carpenter looking amazing gloss over the fact that the Yankees rule is still the dumbest rule in sports when it comes to the facial hair rule. Still the dumbest I thing. I don't like it. I hate Let people wear beards and long hair, you weirdos. My gosh. so It's so crazy to me. Uh, take it or leave it. There will be MLB. Excuse me. There will be an MLB team that scores twenty three runs in a game this season. Oh, I like that. Well, we've had some high scoring games. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. I think. Was. Yeah, yep. I, I'll take it. Why not? Yeah, I'll take it. I like that idea. Take it or leave it. Colton Pareko right now is the most overrated player on the defense. He's the biggest player on the ice, ice but is too often playing soft. Well, let's see. If you are going to go with Falk. I don't think he's overrated. Krug, I don't think he is. Uh, Letty, I think he is what he is. It I, depends on what you think Colton Pareko is, I guess. Also, so many people are so quick to label him soft. Is this because they're expecting him to be stronger? Yep, it is. It's, you're, you're asking him to be someone or play in a manner in which he is not. Right. And as Chris Pronger told us, stop trying to fit him into a box that he is not going to fit into or that he doesn't want to fit into. He's a different player. Yeah, He he did not have a good game six against Colorado. People are so quick to forget, though, when Krug and Scandella and who else was out? There were three. It was essentially Pareko and Falk playing about 30 minutes a game against Minnesota. And they were playing really well. And I think there is probably an unreasonable expectation that every defenseman or every player is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Got bad news. He's not going to be perfect. Nobody is. But this is also a fan base that hated Alex Petrangelo until he won the Stanley Cup. 
every everybody hated Jay Bowmeister. Yeah, hated him. Everything that I ever saw when I pointed out that Petro was a regular top ten vote getter for the Norris Trophy, people would send me pictures of Jamie Ben, a two hundred forty pound guy sitting on him. So <laughs> it is what it is. You know, it's people have to have their guy that they hate. People would do that. They would send you that picture. Yeah. So one moment yep. is how yep. they were going to define. Alex not only that, but they said that he's not a leader because of that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but the, not a leader. People like to take a snapshot rather than look at the the wider picture, the yeah, panoramic it, view. It makes them feel better to have a certain narrative yeah. about a player. Right. I'm gonna have to put that Pronger clip in the system. We're gonna be talking about that so much, and it was such a perfect quote. Yeah. Leave him alone. Exactly. Last one, take it or leave it. Let they him should, live. <laughs> take it or leave it. Little reverse ankle. They should give Newt a spot start on the mound. Ooh, I'll take it. Yeah, what, 96 last night? Whew. That's how they decided uh, Trevor Rosenthal should be a pitcher. He was playing shortstop in a game in Kansas City, a college game. They saw him throw the ball across the field, and they said, well, let's just draft him as a pitcher. So they drafted him in the 23rd round and turned him into a closer. Love that story. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, Mason Wynn, the Cardinals' uh, Ooh, second baseman slash, slash pitcher, I saw a couple of throws of his from like second base. That the first baseman must hate playing with him because he is. I mean, he's throwing ninety six across the diamond. It's insane. Yeah, I was watching last night, uh, and both shortstops had good arms last night. Gary Templeton, when he was a Cardinal, he used to field the ball and then just hold it for a beat, just so he could taunt the runner and force the runner to run, and then boom, just got him out. Gary Templeton had an unbelievable arm, but I love it when shortstops or athletes have that sort of audacity to say, yeah, go ahead, run. I was just gonna I'm say, still going to throw you out. I love the athletic ego yeah. that I'm just going to wait a beat because I can still beat because you. Because I can. I'm going to beat you. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, last June at this time of year, the Cardinals lost Jack Flaherty and Harrison Bader and did not have a very good month. Can their kids overcome the injury problems of this June? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Ten in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Danny Mack will join us in just a few moments. Michelle, it was at this time last year, it was actually May 31st that Jack Flaherty suffered his oblique injury and missed most of the rest of the season. Then soon after that, that injury happened in L.A., and then soon after that, the Cardinals had a game where Harrison Bader landed on a ball and messed up a rib. And the Cardinals were, even before Flaherty got hurt, they were trotting out Carlos Martinez and John Gant was making starts for them. It was really not a a good setup and the Cardinals had a disastrous June they went in the month last year 10 and 17 and they were outscored by 42 runs now the Cardinals have lost Stephen Matz and Jordan Hicks they've lost Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill but I look at the youngsters that they have brought up and the reinforcements that they have I feel much better about the Cardinals right now performing well in June 
than last year. Now, last year I thought that they would perform well, but I, I, I think that they'll perform better with the group of players that they have right now than they did last June. Yeah, it does seem like there are a lot more reinforcements this year. And we didn't even mention Tyler O'Neill not, mm-hmm. not being yeah. with the club, in addition to the, the pitchers that are out. But last year was a real eye-opener, I think, for a lot of people as to just how important Harrison Bader can be to this ball club, um, not only defensively, but offensively. The way that he uh, changes the dynamics of the lineup, and I know a lot of people listening are thinking that he doesn't bring a ton to the Cardinals offensively, but last year was a good example of just how important he was. I also think the Cardinals are in a much better position to weather a storm like that if some guys were to drop off in the month of June like they did last year. It seems like they've got more guys producing at once than they did last year, but Randy, as you brought up earlier in the show, I don't think it could get much worse than going 10 and 17 and what we saw last year in June. So that's the good news is I don't think we could possibly see a month like that again. Everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. The starting pitching was walking way too many people. The bullpen was overworked and imploded a little bit. The defense and Dylan Carlson is a really good player, but he's probably not a major league center fielder. So the defense really lacked with Bader out of the lineup last year. And then everything kind of piled upon everything else, right? It it just seemed to spiral downward for them. And fortunately, they were able to get out of it. But I look at a lineup like the Cardinals trotted out there a couple of days ago in the win over the Padres in the first game. You're playing a rookie like Nolan Gorman, who's been productive so far, but also being utilized properly. You're able to get good work out of Yepes. You're, you get moments out of Lars Newtbar. Brendan Donovan has been a revelation. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to plug in pitchers here or there. Packy Naughton has performed well. Not that he's going to be a starting pitcher. He's actually gave you as many innings as Jordan Hicks, though, right? So Packy Naughton has been serviceable. They're trying to figure out how to get Westbrook back to where he needs to be. His slider wasn't where they wanted it to be, and so that's why he's down in Memphis. But they have enough starting pitching, thank goodness for Adam Wainwright, to be able to get through this situation. Yeah, thank goodness for Adam Wainwright. I also think if the offense were to go cold, I can't see Paul Goldschmidt dropping off so precipitously mm. that that he wouldn't be able to continue producing. I wonder how long this run is going to go for him. He's been a guy that has been able to do it for whole seasons now. Is he going to hit 360? Probably not. But he's a guy that could hit 325, 330. He's hit 35 home runs in a season. He could do that. He's His career OPS is over 900. So he could definitely do that. It could go for a long time. So he could be a guy that could carry your offense. Yeah. And let me throw one other thing out there about last June versus this June. Miles Michaelis. Oh, when Great you call. have Miles Michaelis pitching at the level that he's pitching at now, and you did not have him last June, that's a huge difference. To have a top two in your rotation, rather than tossing out Wainwright and then Martinez, Gant, Oviedo, you're much, much, much better off. He's been a revelation this year. Yeah, he's been great. And he could be classified as an ace. Wayno. We look at as the ace, but for a lot of teams with this same setup, if you just take the names off the jerseys and just look at the numbers, you say, well, there's your ace right there. So he's been a big part of the Cardinals' success. And if he stays healthy, then I think the Cardinals will be fine in June. Got to knock on some wood here. Yeah. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. We are going to visit with the voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports, our friend Danny Mack. Uh, Danny Mack just pushed back to 845. How about that? So coming up next, 
Matt Holliday elected to the Cardinal Hall of Fame last Friday, along with Julian Javier and Charles Comiskey. And we'll hear some of what Matt had to say. And we're also going to celebrate Matt Holliday, the Cardinal Hall of Famer, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's bring in the newest member of the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame, one of my all-time favorites, and I'm so happy that he's headed to the Hall of Fame, and that's Matt Holiday. Well hit, right field. Could it be his first? Home run. Matt Holiday just over the wall. And the season on the DL, and this has hit a ton. Deep left, it's at the track, it's at the wall, and it's gone! It's a home run for Matt Holliday. Big gap in left center, the 2-1. Holliday puts the Cardinals on top with an absolute rocket into Big Mac land! Watch out up there! You're going to get hurt! 3-0 St. Louis! Holy smokes! Quite an honor for me and you know I just really looking forward to that weekend uh, where I'll get a chance to come back to St. Louis be around the fans I'm sure it'll it'll sink in a little bit more but when you think about all those opening days that I got to experience and, and sort of getting off that truck and, and getting a chance to shake hands and hug and and, uh, and, and get a chance to, to spend time around all those guys wearing red jackets it's uh, it's a pretty humbling feeling and so honored to be part of that group and uh, all the greats and particularly the Cardinal organization getting a chance to spend time around a lot of those guys is a tremendous honor and I'm really really looking forward to it. Back tears in what could be his final plate appearance for the St. Louis Cardinals. Holiday out to deep right! Yes! to the Cardinals Hall of Fame. He'll be inducted on August 27th at Ballpark Village. The announcement made on Valley Sports, you're Danny Mac and Matt on Friday night. And Michelle, one of the all-time great Cardinals. And I think one of the things that we ran into is, I know from my perspective, because he wasn't Albert, I didn't appreciate Matt Holiday's greatness as much as I should have. Not that I didn't appreciate it because he was a stud. He was a middle of the lineup hitter for a team that was always in the postseason. Yeah. But we, we've run into a thing here where we compare everybody's performance to Albert Pools, which is unfair to everybody else. Sure is, but it's hard not to, right? Albert is a standard setter for a generation. And when you play with Albert, it's hard to not compare other people to Albert. Uh, but Matt Holiday is an amazing Cardinal. And I'm so glad that he is elected to the Cardinals Hall of Fame. He's so deserving of this honor. And to me, Randy, the Cardinals Hall of Fame wouldn't feel complete without Matt Holiday. He's a guy that needs to be on the field wearing a red jacket. Not only because of every magical moment that he gave us on the field, and we just heard so many of the great highlights, including the storybook ending. I mean, you couldn't have written it any better. Uh, He's a champion on the field, but everything that he did for the community and for especially kids in the St. Louis area off the field, he's a Hall of Famer in more ways than one in my book. No doubt about it. He is 
a Hall of Fame human being in addition to a Cardinal Hall of Fame player. Third all-time among Cardinal outfielders and homers. Tied for third among all players in postseason games played with 61. And Michelle, when you look at the the overall stats with the Cardinals, he was a 293 hitter, had an 874 OPS with the Cardinals, 156 home runs, 616 RBIs. Obviously, got him off in his ear and and kept playing. That's right, tough as nails. Yeah, and you mentioned his phil- phil- philanthropy. That's the word. Yeah, uh, <laughs> philanthropic endeavors. Yeah. So uh, he hits one of his many key home runs for the Cardinals. And after hitting that home run in a night game, went over to Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital and gave the ball to a young patient at Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. Didn't have to, but that's just the sort of guy that Matt Holliday is. Yeah, he's a great guy. Homers for Health, Randy. How many millions of dollars has Homers for Health raised here in St. Mm -hmm. Louis? And he obviously, I believe, uh, I know he was really involved. I believe he was one of the co-founders of it, right? Yeah, Yeah. so he got that off the ground and and got that started. And it has been such an important thing here in St. Louis, tying the the Cardinals to charity. But everything that that you just mentioned, the numbers that he put up while he was here, it's, it's hard to not be able to appreciate someone like that in the moment. But this is what we do as the sports fans is I'm sure at the time everybody, of course, loved Matt Holiday. We knew he was such an integral part of the Cardinals for so long, including that championship team. But sometimes it's very hard in the moment. Like, I don't even think we appreciate Nolan Arenado the way we need to right now, or Paul Goldschmidt the way that we need to right now. We look at what Goldie's doing right now, and we think, wow, that's awesome. But think about how we're going to view that 10 years from now, or when we're talking about Paul Goldschmidt being potentially inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Time always gives you better perspective, and that time since Matt Holliday has hung up the cleats has really allowed us to look back and properly Mm -hmm. reflect on his time as a Cardinal and what a great Cardinal he was. July 24th, 2009, the Cardinals trade Clayton Mortensen, Shane Peterson, and Brett Wallace to the A's for Matt Holiday. I'll, re- I'll remind you of those players again. Clayton Mortensen, I don't think he's going to any Hall of Fame. Love him, <laughs> so I'm sure he's a swell guy. Shane Peterson had a nice little major league career, not yeah, quite Matt Holiday. No, no. And Brett Wallace, who also was a first-round draft choice of the Cardinals, had a nice career, but he's not going to anybody's... Well, maybe his family's Hall of Fame or high school or whatever. But he's not going into any Major League Baseball team's Hall of Fame. And the Cardinals get Matt Holiday and recognize very quickly what a hard worker he is, what an exceptional condition he's in, and gave him at the time, after the 2009 season, $120 million, which was thought of as, wow, outrageous. That was, at the time, the biggest contract the Cardinals had ever given out in terms of total outlay for the player, $120 million. I would argue, Michelle, that along with the $100 million that they gave Albert Pujols in 2004, those are the two best contracts the Cardinals have given out to position players. They got every dollar's worth and probably more out of that contract for Matt Holliday. And Brady, I want to circle back to something that you were saying about Matt Holliday. When you think about the culture of the St. Louis Cardinals, how important was Matt Holliday as being one of those guys to help carry that through? And how many guys now even still are connected to him and how he's still helping the the Cardinals franchise in so many ways. But when you think of St. Louis Cardinal baseball, there's a certain level of respect and cachet that comes with that. And as a part of that, as a player, you're expected to carry yourself a certain way. You're expected to be a very hard worker. You're expected to be a player that is focused on championships and that brings home championships. And 
Matt Holiday is that guy. Yeah. He is one of those guys that during that era of Cardinal baseball was carrying the torch for the Cardinals, setting the standards, setting the, the tone of how things were going to be in St. Louis, and that carries on today. And Tony LaRusso pounded the table to get Matt Holiday here, and Tony reveres Matt, and Matt had a great deal of respect for Tony as his manager. But then when Tony retires and Albert leaves, the culture must be maintained. Mm -hmm. And it was Holiday, it was Carpenter, it was uh, Wainwright and Molina that maintained that tradition under Mike Matheny. And Mike anointed those guys as his leaders, but he wasn't wrong. Those guys should have been the leaders of the team, and they were. And that maintained a lot of success. Huge part of the reason the Cardinals wound up going to the playoffs in 12, 13, 14, and 15 after Tony had left. And we haven't even mentioned that he's our teammate here at 101 ESPN right. doing great work yeah. on the fast lane. Yeah. Matt Holiday doesn't have to still do media here in St. Louis. I mean, I know he loves those guys, but he's connected to St. Louis. He will forever be connected to St. Louis. Yeah, one of the all-time greats, and he will go into the Cardinal Hall of Fame on August 27th. Congratulations to Matt Holiday. Meanwhile, we've got the fight coming up, and we need a fighter. Text the word FIGHT into 65780, and maybe Matthew Rocchio, who's not related to Matt, Matthew Holiday, just they have the same first name. And they're both leaders think, in their you, own way. Do you think all Matts are related? Yeah. Okay. Well, most. We do have a secret cabal where we decide things yeah. across the world. Matt that is, that is true. Yeah. Matt Morris is in the club. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matt Barnes. Well, there's a whole, there's a Matt whole, Barnes, there's a whole Matt Dumba. Yeah, there's a whole pitcher hitter thing though. It's it's ugly. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah and, and and Barnes and Dumba, they're both uh, they're Spitfires. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you can get your text into the fight, and we're going to do the fight next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the. On character and small men. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's fighting time on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman, it's 835 in St. Louis. The time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We have Drew on the line. He is the brave soul who's going to challenge Randy in a sports trivia competition today. Good morning, Drew. How you doing? Good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Are you ready to take on Randy in uh, the fight today? 100%. 100%. Okay, writing this down. You're 100% ready. I love it. Well, let's jump right in then, Drew. I don't want to make you wait one more second. Albert Pujols moved into second all-time in Cardinals franchise history with his 15th walk-off hit in his Cardinals career. Passing who? Was it Scott Rowland, Ozzie Smith, or Ken Boyer? Uh, I'm going to go with Ken Boyer. Adam Wainwright logged just his 13th start with double-digit strikeouts last night. What is his career high in strikeouts in a single game? Is it 8, 10, or 12? 12. Drew, on this day in 1994, Reggie Miller famously scored 25 fourth-quarter points in a performance that later went on to inspire the 30-for-30 winning time over which Eastern Conference team? Was it the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, or the New York Knicks? Oh, man. Not a basketball fan, but I should know this one. Let's see. Can I have the options again? It was the Heat, the Celtics, and the Knicks? You got it, Drew. Uh... 
Let's go with the Knicks. All right, and happy birthday to former NFL wide receiver Santana Moss. In a rare player-for-player trade for the exact same position, the Jets traded him to Washington for what other wide receiver? Was that Keyshawn Johnson, Wayne Corbett, or Lavernius Coles? Uh, Lavernius Coles. <laughs> Drew was 100% for a reason. Drew was 100% for a reason. I'm not even going to ask you how you're feeling, Drew, because I know. You're feeling good. You already know. I already know. And you already know, my man. Randy, as you get your headset on, say good morning to Drew. Drew, good morning. How you doing? Good, Randy. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Are you ready, sir? Ready. Question number one for Megamind. Albert Pujols moved into second all-time in Cardinal franchise history with his 15th walk-off hit in his Cardinals career, passing... Well, the guy that uh, had more hits than him was Stan Musial. That would make sense. Uh, Walk-off hits. 15th as a Cardinal. 20th overall or 21st. Um, I guess I'll go with Stan the man. Adam Wainwright logged just his 13th start with double-digit strikeouts last night. Mm -hmm. What is his career high in strikeouts for a regular season game? Hmm. Um, don't remember all of those 300 and whatever starts. You don't. No. Um, but I'll say 15. On this day in 1994, Randy, Reggie Miller famously scored 25 fourth quarter points in a performance that later went on to inspire the 30 for 30 winning time (gasps) over which Eastern Conference team? I believe that was against the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken. Happy birthday to former NFL wide receiver Santana Moss. In a rare player-for-player trade for the exact same position, the the Jets traded him to Washington for what wide receiver? This was in 2004. Jets traded Santana Moss to Washington for 2004. Really a couple of memorable franchises, the way that things have gone lately. Moss... Goes to Washington in exchange for um, the rare player. I'll do the lifeline here, I guess. Was it Keyshawn Johnson, Wayne Corbett, or Lavernius Coles? It would have had to have been Lavernius Coles. Drew came in, Randy, and said that he was 100%. I said, how are you feeling? He said, 100% ready to go. 100% Love it. ready to take on Megamind. Was that confidence warranted? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair. Home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Drew. 100% for a reason, my man. You got all four correct. All right. All nice. four correct, Drew. I'm giving you a clap there. You beat Randy 4-2. to two. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, let's run through our answers here so that you can hear all of the ones that you got correct. Albert Pujols moved into second all-time in Cardinals franchise history with his 15th walk-off hit in his Cardinal career, passing Ken Boyer. Hmm. Passing Ken Boyer. I wonder how many uh, stand the man hit. He had 14 walk-off homers, so it's more than it's more than 15 because he had a, he had like a couple other well, walk-off hits. So wouldn't Kurt, no, he's second. Wait, he was but, in the second. Pujols, but, no, Pujols moved into second over Ken Boyer last night. 
Oh, okay. Mutual's number one okay. with a bullet. Well, it's well asked question. Adam Wainwright logged just his 13th start with double-digit strikeouts last night. His career high in strikeouts in a single game is 12. 12. On this day in 1994, Reggie Miller famously scored 25 fourth-quarter points over the New York Knicks and HBD to Santana Moss. He was traded. The Jets in Washington had a wide receiver trade. Santana Moss and Lavernius Coles. Which I know, Randy, you remember that trade vividly. Even as a Redskins fan, I had forgotten Lavernius <laughs> Coles was there. So. My brain works weird. I saw it was his birthday, and like my brain immediately went to, man, that was crazy that they got traded wide receiver for wide receiver. Well, Drew, congratulations. We're going to talk to you tomorrow as you come back to defend your crown. I'll be there. All right. Thanks, Drew. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to talk to Danny Mack, the voice of the Cardinals, on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Danny Mac is standing by. Cards and Padres wrap up their series today before the Redbirds head off to Chicago for five games in four days. Daniel, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Everything is wonderful here in the studio. You think we're going to play today? Uh, I do. I, I think we got to get used to uh, these type of uh, situations. You know, next year, we're going to see every team in the league. So we're going to have these rain outs, snow outs, bad weather, and uh, you got to you got to wait them out because this is the only time that uh, the Padres are in town. I haven't looked to see if there's a mutual off day that would uh, – to sync up these guys to, to play a game, but it's going to be interesting next year, I think, when, especially early in the season, when you're facing every team and uh, you get these bad weather situations that um, you, you got to figure out how to fit it all in. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Dan, Paul Goldschmidt is hotter than hot Hello, right now. Michelle. Hello, Dan, how are you? I feel like I never uh, see you these days. Well, I never see you anymore. I know. We, it's so great to talk to you, too. I saw that you were very excited. Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker got uh, got married. Well, I was more excited about the PDA. <laughs> My favorite thing, for those who don't know, is Dan will reply on Twitter to like people.com or TMZ when they post celebrity <laughs> gossip, and he'll say adorable. <laughs> and it's my favorite it's, thing ever. Um, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm in tune with all the kids. Yeah, you're locked in, Dan. Not as absolutely. locked in as Paul Goldschmidt, though, who is absolutely on fire right now. Uh, historically, he has 23 extra base hits, the most in any May in franchise history with the Cardinals. I, I don't even know what to ask you about Goldie Dan but just how fun has it been for you to get to call this and watch him go on this tear well it's been great I mean you think about yesterday too I I thought what was cool about the game last night I thought it was one of the more entertaining games we've had this year just for uh, the the entertainment factor of it but he's been amazing Um, and he got off to the slow start and it's interesting you know he's using the the different bat Joey Votto was using a similar type bat, and Joey got off to a bad start and ditched the bat. Goldie was cold. He stayed with it. And Goldie just doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He's just very, very even keel. And then yesterday, so you have that moment uh, where he reaches base with a walk and then gets the extra base hit. Um, and then to see what, what Wayno and Albert are doing. Um, you know, it's, it's not a gimmick. I mean, when a guy goes out there like Wayno did last night and – you sit there and go, wow. I mean, that's amazing that he's the first 
and the uh, the oldest guy in Cardinals history to strike out ten in a game. I mean, that that's amazing. And Albert drives in both runs, and you would have thought that in the I think it was the eighth or the ninth, he would have been pinch hit for for Gorman, but Gorman was under the weather and not feeling great, so. All of a sudden, Albert's got to stay in there. He gets a base hit against a right uh, right hander, and then it, it you know turns out to where the lefties back up uh, the the closer, and Albert's got a chance to to win it. And it's all set up by Tommy Edmonds stolen base. So it can be a very entertaining team, and it was a fun uh, fun game last night. And Dan, with O'Neill hurt, with Carlson hurt, with DeYoung down in the minors, you have people like Donovan coming through. You have uh, Yepes. You have Lars Newtbar with the big throw last night. You, you mentioned Nolan Gorman. G- give me something on that. Give me something on those rookies. Well, Mr. Russo, you sound like Mad Dog, Randall. <laughs> I, is this your new interviewing style? Yeah. What do you got there? What do you got there? What do you think about that, pal? Um, so I've been on with Chris. I like Chris. I know. He's, He's entertaining. You did great. That, yeah, he'll he'll give you the whole thing. What do you, what do you got? Well, um, so I got uh, that they've got eight debuts this year. So that's the most at last check in baseball. So eight rookies have been uh, have made their debut this year for a team that's now seven games a season high, seven games above 500. The other team that had eight at the time I looked at it was Oakland. And we know about the A's. I mean, they had traded so many of their, their players away, and so they had to have young kids come up and, and fill spots. So that, to me, it tells you that the, the minor leagues is producing, it has produced, and more so than just uh, producing, they're developing. Um, and, and that's a credit to Gary LaRock, who's been around a long time, uh, they get these kids in, and, and obviously they're not picking very high in the first round because they're, they're usually uh, in in the playoffs. So it's the middle of the pack of that first round or the, the bottom third, and it comes down to player development. And so you can pick and, and try to find guys, and Randy Flores has done a really, really good job. But then once they're in the system, man, you've you got to be able to develop these kids, and they've been able to do it. Nolan Arenado, Dan, had a single to right in the first inning last night, and that snapped an 0-for-17 slump for him. As Goldie's gone on to be so hot, Arenado is dealing with a a bit of a bump in the road right now. But do you think that that hit might have uh, broken something open for him? What are you seeing out of Arenado right now? He took extra BP three days ago, and then extra BP yesterday. He's letting the ball try to get as deep as it can. If you if you watch him and if you see it, he's he's really out in front, which is something that he didn't do uh, last season. He was not doing that, so he's trying to let the ball get as deep as he can into the zone and and stay on it and drive it. And so it happens when you have 500 at bats, you you hit these ruts. And unfortunately for him, he's just in one of those right now. And Dan, uh, with Nolan being here. It gives us the opportunity to ask you about Matt Holiday, who's the gift that keeps on giving because Nolan Arenado talked to Matt Holiday a lot before he came here. You had a chance to talk to, talk to Matt upon his election to the Cardinal Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, you have broadcast a lot of Cardinal Hall of Famers, but we haven't had many better than Matt Holiday. I think he's almost underrated in Cardinal history. Yeah, he, great run. I mean, seven years of just excellence. Um, I also think that him going to the Hall of Fame, and I, I talked to him about this both on the air and, and off the air, and we probably visit once a week um, privately, and, and whether it's via text or phone calls or whatever. And by the way, Matt's son, by, uh, by some 
judgments and people that follow the draft might be the number one overall pick and probably will not go as low as uh, seven. I mean, that's how good his, his, his kid is and what people are, are saying about his son. Um, and if not for his kids, those darn kids, uh, he'd probably be in uniform right now with the club. He'd either be, you know, coaching at some at some level or uh, here at the big league level because I, I do think that's in his future. But I think his legacy is going to be that he was a great Cardinal um, on the field. But I, I think his legacy is what he did off of it, and it's a lot of stuff. I mean, a ton of charitable works that he did behind the scenes that no one ever ever heard about um there's countless times that after a game he would be driving down highway 40 and and get off uh the highway and and stop into children's hospital and and uh and visit with the kids at cardinal glennon too and and just you know it would be the you know 10 o'clock 11 o'clock midnight he'd go in say hey who's up who's dealing with treatment because they can't sleep i'd like to go see him he did that all the time i mean to tell you all the time and uh and that's what I think about when I think of Matt Holiday and his impact of Homers for Health. He wanted to do something. So when he became a free agent, no matter where he went, and by the way, I found out in visiting with him in the last couple of weeks, it was always in his mind going to be St. Louis. So he, the money obviously was there, and he made a, a great uh, deal here in St. Louis. But he once he got the couple of months in St. Louis, he said he got really close with Wayno and a couple other guys on the team and in his mind and Leslie's mind, his, his wife, that they, they wanted to establish roots in St. Louis. He said, it's a historic franchise. It's a fun place to play. I want to be here and, and let that be known to his, um, his agent, Scott Boris. But, you know, Boris is going to get the top dollar he could, which is his job. And he did. He got a great deal. But his legacy is going to be, and it still goes on today, the Homers for Health and the millions of dollars it's raised every single year by what he began. So he established roots in this town, and I, I think as his kids get older and, and start their own lives in professional baseball, um, it wouldn't, you know, it. I'm counting on it that Matt Holiday will be in uniform with the Cardinals at some point. And, Dan, to your point about Jackson Holiday, Jim Callis at MLB.com just last week put out his latest mock draft, and he indeed has Jackson Holiday going to the Orioles with the top pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, the kid is awesome, and he's got another son that's coming through, too, that is a tremendous baseball player and probably be a, a top draft pick. And um, Matt's son, I believe, is the one that's going to be drafted uh, this upcoming draft is a shortstop and you know he's on the travel circuit and doing all that stuff he's a tremendous player so uh, not surprised to see the uh, apple fall not that far from the tree so I'm looking forward to seeing him play for sure Dan well after the game today uh, versus the Padres the Cardinals go on a pretty favorable stretch here versus the Cubs the uh, Tampa Bay the Reds and then the Pirates before they head to Boston in mid-June it seems like this is an opportunity for the Cardinals to take care of some lesser opponents and maybe improve their their chances in the standings here yeah and this kind of wraps up a really tough stretch with we you had the Mets in this one um you had Milwaukee obviously San Diego so this has been a a tough I'd say about a month or so maybe a little bit under a month three weeks uh, stretch of baseball that the Cardinals have had and they've kept their head above water and a chance to go to eight games above 500 which would be a season high for them they're at seven obviously right now I will say this, though. When you go to Wrigley and you play five games, that is not easy. And I, I don't care if, if the Cubs are good, bad. It doesn't matter. Cardinals, good or bad. It's just a different 
feeling in that uh, in that series. And so you also mix in the doubleheader on Saturday, which complicates this. And we'll see how the Cardinals want to play it and what direction they want to go. But it makes it even more difficult. But those games are always fun. And crazy things happen when you go to Wrigley. And I would anticipate uh, that's probably the way it'll be this weekend, too. And finally, Dan, how about Matt Carpenter? You bring up big series, big five-game series at uh, at Wrigley. How about Matt Carpenter start with the Yankees a couple of home runs? I'm so happy for him. And, you know, the thing is, if you're a left-handed hitter, there's probably not a better place to hit than Yankee Stadium with the, the short porch and right. I saw his home run. I think it was his second one was last night, was it not? Right, correct. Right? Yeah, and it was just maybe a row or two deep. And for a lot of places, that's either an out or it's not going to leave the ballpark. So I, I hope he has a good run there because he's a great guy. And uh, I know he's worked tremendously hard to try to get back to the big leagues. And he actually was putting up pretty decent numbers at uh, AAA at Round Rock for the uh, the Texas Rangers. So it's good to see, and uh, he probably would be a very good fit with the uh, with the Yankees and uh, and a veteran team and a, a team that's going to do a lot of damage. I would anticipate in postseason play. No doubt about it, Danny Mac. Always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much, and uh, thanks for playing along with my Mad Dog thing. <laughs> no problem, no problem, pal. <laughs> we'll be tuned in today. See you later. Okay, guys. Take thanks. Easy, bye. <laughs> Danny Mac. So, what do you got for me there? Nola Gorman. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we heard earlier from Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong about the end of the blue season. Players next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. When you're when you're see hockey games and scores and stuff like that, this time of year you want to be playing. That's no secret. I don't think you just lose and you're over at 24 hours or 48 hours later. Um, obviously, it still hurts. You want to be playing and you know having a having a chance or competing uh, to win the Stanley Cup again. So that's Braden Shen. It has been only four days since the Blues were eliminated by Colorado from the Stanley Cup playoffs and Game One of the Western Conference Finals last night, won by Colorado over Edmonton by a score of eight to six. And Michelle, yesterday was the postmortem, and the players will go their separate ways. A lot of them will go to the cottage in Canada, and they'll have to just regroup and get ready for September. And they'll be back here skating in August in just a couple of months. Speaking of regrouping and hearing from Braden Shen, he needs to get healthy after mm-hmm. playing through broken ribs and a torn oblique he probably is not that he's looking forward to the offseason because he wishes he was still playing but i bet he can't wait to get healthy again how does anybody play through a torn oblique i have no idea and to think of some of the hits that he laid mm-hmm. on guys knowing that he had broken ribs and a torn oblique he's so tough he's amazing meanwhile david perron had his best year as an nhl player he's also won a stanley cup so from a team standpoint it wasn't the best but is this team back to being a contender? I mean, I don't know if we ever left that <clears throat> that uh, category, but uh, definitely uh, beating Minnesota is always a, a good feeling to get out of the first round. Uh, it, it, you almost feel like the belief uh, in the group uh, increases every win that you get. And uh, it did that again when Bozzi scored the overtime goal there. And 
If we would have just got one more win, I think we there's a chance we get win that series, obviously. So um, I think we're we're in that group, yeah. And he obviously is a free agent after this year, Michelle, and it's a key thing for the Blues this offseason. Oh, needs to be priority number one is making sure that David Perron is part of the group next season. But he said something there, Randy, and I think that it's it's hard for us as fans to process, but it's probably really hard for somebody like David Perron and a lot of these veteran guys to think about. In 2019, all the magic bounced their way. And I think after game five, when you have that furious comeback and you, you come back and you win that game, you start to feel it again. You start to feel like, oh, this is going to happen for us again. And then with six seconds left in game mm-hmm. six, the carriage turns into a pumpkin. No more magic. And... I truly believe that had they won game six, they would have taken the series. I know it's hard to win three in a row versus a good Colorado team, but as David Perron said, that belief just starts to grow and grow and grow, and you start to play with a little bit more confidence with every win that you get. But I wonder how confident they were because they had been dominated in that game on Friday night. It was tied, but they had no business being in that game. But you probably keep thinking Tory Krug's close to returning. Mm-hmm. B- B- could we get Benner back? There's all of these things that are going through your mind if you're a player. They don't count themselves out. No, they don't. But realistically speaking, I think that you, you just had to play better. Now, the thing with Perron is we all want him back, and he wants to be back. And part of the reason for that is that he and his family really like it here. It's a lot for sure. Uh, just for for our kids, they're in school right now. They they love the city, and just like I, just like we do, just like I do. And uh, it's something that <clears throat> obviously playing with this guy beside me, uh, the whole group. I'd love to keep going. Um, I mean, uh, I feel like I've built myself as a player over the years, and I want to keep this going for sure. I can't imagine there's a scenario in which Tom Stillman doesn't go to Doug Armstrong and say, "Okay." This is priority one. Regardless of what it takes to make sure that he's here, we need to make sure that he's here for the next couple of years. Knowing that he wants to come back and him publicly saying that he wants to come back. Can you imagine the reaction of the fans? I know that Doug Armstrong has earned the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know if even he would get the benefit of the doubt with this one, if they weren't able to make it work with David Perron. I think that might be one of the moves that were to have people start questioning, what are we doing here? And David gets where he is in his career and where he is with the family and with the fact that the kids love it here in St. Louis. He's not going to break the bank to stay here either. Well, and he realizes that he is in a good position to win here as well. Mm -hmm. He knows that he's an important part of this team. He knows what this team is capable of. He's probably looking at the veteran core that they have. He's looking at some of the young guys who've taken another step and gotten more postseason seasoning. And he probably feels pretty good about the Blues' chances. So I... There's no reason why he shouldn't want to stay here. Now, when Jordan Bennington was injured in Game 3, the announcement by the Blues was that he was out for the rest of the series. What if the Blues would have won and played Edmonton? It's doing all right. Kind of tough to say. It's just going to take some time, and uh, that's, I guess, something that since we're not playing it, it we'll have time to get, get back to you know fully healed. And, yeah, I can't confirm or not if that would be the case. I don't think he would have played. It would have been Ville Husso again. Yeah. Don't you think that if he had been feeling like he could have been playing last night that he would have said that? Yeah. I don't think there's any question that if if any player feels like he can play, Jordan Bennington is the one where he's going to make it perfectly clear yeah, that he, he can. Yeah, he should have been saying, I, I would have been getting ready to lace him up tonight. Mm-hmm. We never had the opportunity to 
hear from Jordan Bennington about the specific play where he was injured on the collision with Nazem Kadri. It's a, it's a physical sport, and, you know, I think it's it's playoff time, and, and he's going to go to the net hard, and how to, how to play hard, how to go to the net, and, and that's what it's it happens in the sport. So, you know, for me, it, it is what it is, and I just have to kind of deal with it and, and uh, uh, just, uh, yeah. So if that's the case, if it is what it is, what about throwing the water bottle at Kadri? So I went, I went to get my knee checked out mid-game, and uh, I was coming back to the rink. The game just ended. Walking down the hallway, um, couldn't find a recycling bin on my way down the hallway. And, and right before I went, walked into the locker room, I see him kind of doing an interview there, smiling, laughing, and I'm there in a knee brace, limping down the hallway. And felt like it was a God-given opportunity. Uh, I don't know, I could just stay silent and, and go in the room or I could say something and, you know, just have him look me in the eye and understand what's going on, something to think about. And I just, yeah, through the, uh, through the water bottle, an empty water bottle, <laughs> it landed like two feet from him. So it is what it is there. And I mean, but it is what it is. It's hockey and competitive game so that's it i could spend a whole segment breaking down that quote just mm-hmm. that one isolated soundbite from jordan bennington first of all thank you jordan for going green couldn't find a recycling yeah. bin so he's carrying around the water mm-hmm. bottle with him because he's trying to recycle it and i love how he's he's thinking as he's walking and he's he's banged up just got his knee looked at and he sees nazim Kadri there and he says this is a god-given opportunity <laughs> god has placed me in this moment with this water bottle i also love all of the ruckus that this stirred up that it was an empty water bottle and it didn't mm-hmm. even hit him it yeah. landed two feet away from him and people were so upset that jordan bennington threw the water bottle but This is a human being that was playing out of his mind and was just taken out of the game and and the series and wanted Nazem Kadri to know I'm a real person and you did something to me and I want you to look me in the eyes. So I'm going to try to get your attention. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody can agree now that the Blues have lost. Not everybody, not the people in Colorado, but most observers agree that at the very least, the series would have been more competitive. It would have gone seven if Bennington would have been would would have been available. And most people around here think the Blues would have won, observing the way that Bennington was playing. I will go to my grave thinking that they would have won the series had fifty been between the pipes. I don't disagree with that one bit. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Adam Wainwright, spectacular last night. Wednesdays with Wayno coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Adam Wainwright is standing by. We're so looking forward to Friday night and the trivia night at Patios, and you can still get involved by going to bigleagueimpact.org. Good morning, Adam. How are you doing? Doing great. How are y'all doing? 
Everything's great here. As you approach an event like this, this is a, a big event, and your staff does an amazing job. But as we get closer, do you get a little bit nervous to make sure that everything comes off? Because you want everybody to have a great time. Definitely not. I wouldn't say nervous, but you always wonder if people are going to show. You know, if people going to people are going to enjoy it, and and we we do our best to try to throw a good party. You know, so um, usually it goes over pretty well. But I remember watching the the Garth Brooks um, documentary this year when he did his Central Park thing. He was sitting in his hotel room, and this guy came in and said, "Garth." I got some news for it. He's like, man, nobody came, did they? And he's like, uh, there's two million people out there. <laughs> and so that that's kind of, you know, you go through those moments where you're like, when you hear like, oh, I got news, you're like, ah, oh, nobody showed up. Like, no, nah, it's, it's a packed house. So that usually it works out pretty well. But our, 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 uh, our great people here at St. Louis usually do such a great job of supporting us and showing up and, helping us go out and be able to, you know, help a lot of people through their lives that, that uh, don't have the, the things that, that we take for granted sometimes. The food, the water, the shelter, the basic essential needs. Our people here in St. Louis have done such a great job of helping us to support those people. For sure, Adam. And as Randy mentioned, we're so excited for the event on Friday. You're going to be there. Some of your teammates are going to be there. Miles Michaelis, Tommy Edmond, and Paul Goldschmidt is also going to be there. And there's no one hotter in baseball right now than Paul Goldschmidt, a 22-game hitting streak. And I'm wondering, Adam, if you think that that hotness that we're seeing on the ball field is going to translate to trivia at all, because that would make me a little nervous if I was competing. I don't know. I don't know about that. But he is fun to watch hit a baseball, I can tell you that. I, you know, we have some really talented people, but there's nobody better at hitting and better at really at just baseball, just great base runner. There's really nobody better out there right now than Paul Goldschmidt. He just does everything right. He's best at his position. He's, he's one of the headiest, smartest baseball players out there. He's an incredible base runner. Uh, just he brings so much wisdom to the other guys, too, and we have hitters meetings or big meetings. Where when he speaks, people listen. He's just, just a great baseball player, you know, from top to bottom. And we've been so lucky here, Adam, and I put Albert in a different category because Albert Hot was different than everybody else. But when you think about some of the months and some of the half seasons that Matt Holliday or Carlos Beltran or Matt Carpenter had, along with Goldie and and Nolan, uh, we've had some really, as fans, fortunate circumstances to be able to watch these guys on a regular basis. Yeah, I get I get questions all the time. Hey, what was it like when Albert was in the prime of his career here in St. Louis? I said, you know what Goldie looks like right now? They said, yeah. I said, that's what he looked like for 11 years in a row. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, are you serious? I'm like, yes, go look at the numbers, dude. Like, Goldie's hitting 350 right now, 350-something. Albert ended the season hitting 355 or 356. I can't remember which one. Like, he did this for a whole season, 10, 11 straight years. You know, it was just like, doesn't even make sense. They're like, have you ever seen anybody like him? I'm like, you see what Goldie's doing right now? They're like, yeah. I'm like, he did that for 10, 11 straight years. <laughs> no, I haven't seen anybody like that. No, not even close. The guy, Albert Pujols, was so special. It is so special, still is. But watching him hit a ball 
play the field and run. And, you know, because people forget how good a base runner he was, how good a defense he was. Uh, he was just, uh, I mean, just somebody, something that is a, a once-in-a-generation type player, and I'm glad we got to watch him. So am I, Adam. And, and Randy mentioned Matt Holiday. We actually were talking about Matt Holiday earlier in the show. He's getting inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, which is a place that we'll expect to see you in a few years when you inevitably do decide to retire. But what about Matt Holiday, in your opinion, makes him a Cardinal Hall of Famer? Well, he had seven years of, the, of just incredible middle of the lineup production. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say that that uh, Mo has signed a better contract than that one, you know. And I think Mo would probably tell you that those seven years, Matt went out there and performed every year, steady Eddie every year, closing two ninety three hundred every season, bunch of RBIs, uh, big moments, big home runs. I mean, he was just a great Cardinal player, and he was a great friend to me, a great teammate of ours, a great leader in there. I mean, just a, just a stud of a human, too. Just a really great... He's a dude, you know what I mean? Like, he's just a great... Just a great guy in there. Just a total dude. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. Okay, so Adam, we got to go into the trust tree here. You're brilliant last night. Seven innings, two hits of seven innings of shutout ball. You throw 115 pitches. So I got to know what you're thinking when you see that ball go over the fence to tie the game at two. Uh, not much, really. I mean, you know, of course I want to get the W. Don't get me wrong. 190 would have been cool. But, you know, what you're doing, what I'm thinking right there is I'm feeling for my teammate, you know, Gio. He's been so solid. Last time he came in behind me, he struck the first five guys out in a row. So, uh, he's been great. He's been great in his career coming in behind me. He had a tough game last night. Uh, you know, a couple couple guys got double in a home run, and, and he doesn't usually give up extra base hits. But everybody has a day like that every now and then. So, you're just feeling for your teammate. Then behind that, you just know, you know, we're going to come back and win this game. And as long as they're winning games that I pitch, I'm going to get a bunch of those. You know, I'm going to get some of those wins, and we're going to be all, all right. So I'm not worried about the, the personal stat line on that. I'm worried about my teammate and picking him up. I gave him a huge hug when he came in, told him I loved him. You know, just that, that's a big part of being a teammate. It is, and it was a great game all around last night. But we, we mentioned your individual performance. I was watching you post-game last night, Adam, and you were talking about your command um, and how strong it was in last night's game. How early on in a game do you know when you've got it like that? Um, I mean, pretty early on. You know, you, there's there's some things. Last night I, I, was, uh, I was able to execute from from pretty much the first inning on. I only missed a couple of pitches over the middle. And, you know, when you're when you're executing pitch after pitch and hit the edges a lot, when you miss one or two in the middle, they don't get hit. It's when you're kind of living in the middle of the plate too much, that's when those those balls don't get smacked. So uh, I, I knew from an early point last night that I had had pretty good command, pretty good stuff. Um, I made some really, really good adjustments between, between uh, bullpens this last time and, and the game. I mean, it just playing catch every day. I was really working on a couple of things that, that, that seemed to hit home. So I'm just going to keep honing that and we'll see what happens. 
Hey, Adam, I, I want to ask you about a couple of your teammates. Number one, Yadier Molina last night with his 7,661st at-bat. He moves past Johnny Bench. That's the fifth most among primary catchers. Can you imagine how many times Yadi has gotten down into a squat and gotten back up in the last, well, heck, his whole life, but since he got to the majors in 2004? No, I can't. And, you know, to, to further that comment, talking to Buster Posey, Buster says, this is last year, I remember him talking with, they came through and he goes, didn't watch Yadi catch every day is such a treat. He goes, I have no idea how he catches that many innings every year. It's amazing. You know, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, if not a Hall of Famer himself. So to hear that from your peers about how special it is about what Yachty's doing and his longevity as a catcher uh, and passing a guy like Johnny Bench, I mean, who's like, you know, the most legendary catcher ever, um, that's special, man. You know, we, we're getting to see – we talked about Albert and his specialness earlier and what a treat it is to watch him play and have watched him during all those years. But, you know, we're, we might be looking at the best defensive catcher to ever live watching Yadier play. And to get, it, to, to, to get the pitch to him every five days, for me, is one of the, the, the specialist, most crazy, awesome things of my entire career. Hmm. And... Uh, get to have a, a teammate like Yachty that, that goes out there, you know, you see it, he gets hit in the foot, he gets hit in the knee, he gets hit in the face, he gets hit in the neck, shoulder shots, he just answers the bell all the time. It's just, it is such a, he is such a tough guy, man. He, you know, you, you can't do that unless you're tough as nails. And he's one of the toughest people I've ever met, if not the toughest person I've ever met. Great player, great friend, great teammate, but Man, how cool is it we got to watch Yachty for that long? Yeah, it's amazing. And then I wanted to ask you about some of your fellow pitchers. I, I asked Jordan Hicks last night, or not last night, but last week, when he went on the IL, I said, are you a good patient after everything you've been through over the last couple of years? You guys are all here because you're really competitive. Are you good at holding back and listening to the doctors? And he said, yeah, I've gotten to that point. Jack Flaherty the same way. Do you ever impart rehab wisdom to these guys? Because I have to believe when you first got hurt, you didn't want to hear what the doctors had to say. You said, I'm coming back and it doesn't whatever I do is going to bring me back yeah and these trainers usually if you listen to them and follow protocol they've got it down to a science they've got it down to, to how they know how you're going to feel before you know how you're going to feel uh, and usually when you listen to them and you're smart about things and you don't get too froggy about you know trying to throw too hard too fast or back up too far too fast stay within the program, usually you come back uh, right on schedule. It's when you it's when you get a little you get a little too too excited to get back and, and you think, ah, oh, I'll be fine, just you know, work through some things and it'll just go away. That's when you end up spending more time than you want to on the DL. And last thing, Adam, we mentioned Friday we have the Big League Impact Trivia Night. We have a Swing for Impact event coming up at Top at Top Golf. But one of the great things that Randy and I get to participate in with Big League Impact every year is your Fantasy Football League. It's something that we take very seriously. And anytime that Fantasy Football is in the news, we want to ask you about it. And I'm sure you heard about Tommy Pham and Jack Peterson having a bit of a dust up about their Fantasy Football League that uh, included a bunch of different baseball players. But I want to know from you, which one of your teammates do you think takes fantasy football 
really seriously. Like which one of them, maybe not would take it to the Tommy Pham level, but which one of them takes it really seriously? Say the last part again. What, what was my, what is one of my teammates, what, Michelle, it broke out for just a second. Yeah, no worries. Which one of your teammates takes fantasy football seriously, like Tommy Pham? Maybe not to that extreme, but which one of them do you think would get mad about a, an IL move or something to that extent? You see, all right, so anybody who's ever run a fantasy football league can understand where Tommy was coming from. Plus, I understand Tommy, so it helps me understand that situation a little bit. But, you know, fantasy football gets raw sometimes uh and and in the clubhouse I, I mean you know we got 12 teams probably 10 of them are locked in every week right as playing the waiver wire and you know sending trade offers out there but but the il spot is the is the one thing that you cannot trust anybody about. You can't trust anybody because you know that that IL spot or the IR spot that um, gets manipulated more than any other thing in fantasy football, and that's why in my leagues and it drives Jack Clarity crazy. In my leagues, there are no IR spots for that exact reason because the commissioner is the one that has to go back and babysit everybody's team and make sure that. Everybody's got their correct guys in the IR, and they didn't leave them in there too long trying to stash other people on their rosters. And then, you know, people don't understand IR rules and, 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 and get mad about somebody who's on the IR that they shouldn't have been on the IR. And, and it just adds so much complicated things. It adds, it, are, it adds arguments every single time that I've ever seen an IR spot. It just does. And, uh, I don't. I don't believe in the IR spot. Plus, that makes the waiver wire um, more active when you don't have more spots that you can fill up with roster players. But um, I understand that whole that whole thing, and I understand Tommy. Um, and you know, when you got money on the line like that, sometimes it can get real raw. And sometimes even just the competitiveness of of baseball players gets to you, and you start having arguments over stuff you shouldn't be arguing over. But fantasy football. This is this is what one thing that people need to know. It's not a distraction from the baseball players. What it is is it's it's a reprieve that every player needs. Uh, if they're playing the fantasy football, they they are uh, they're using that to take their mind off the game a little bit, which is very very important, you know. And so mm-hmm. um, I get I get it, you know, totally. Well, I also saw Tommy Fan making comments, Adam, about. Mike Trout, who's the commissioner, saying he did a terrible job and he's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports. And I thought about you. It's a thankless job being the commissioner. It is a thankless job. That's what I was going to tell you. You cannot make everybody happy as the commissioner. It is impossible. Guys are so guys are such divas. It's hilarious. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like being a. A chef in in the big league clubhouse or a, or or a clubby, you, you just can't make everybody happy. They're divas. There's 25 divas in there that think they, you know, that think they they got everything figured out. And that's probably true of all all workplaces or whatever. But um, even worse for baseball, you know, because we we get used to people telling us we're great and stuff, and then and then uh, and then we, you know, sometimes people act a little haughtier than they need to, you know. <laughs> um, but um, it, it, it's a uh, 
it is a thankless job being a commissioner. I mean, if you you know you're you're running one minute late or whatever because of a bus ride or whatever, everybody in the league's like, "Come on, let's go. Where are we going?" I'm like, "What's the rush? It's the best day of the year because the fantasy draft is literally like Christmas come early for me. It is the best day of the year. Uh, I love, love, love the fantasy draft day. If it was up to me, I'd make it last for hours and hours and hours and hours. Drag that sucker out. But you know, people are going to start complaining. But you know, you you give people filet mignon and lobster three days in a row they're going to complain so you can't make people happy <laughs> exactly right we know fantastic job last night fantastic job with us this morning have fun in chicago it's always great and we will see you virtually on friday night can't wait looking forward to that and people can go to bigleagueimpact.org if they want to get involved with the trivia night to benefit big league impact yeah we're really excited about trivia night we're really excited about our top golf event we'd love for as many people as, as can uh, to show up and, 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 and help us out so we can go out and help other people. So thanks a lot for letting me plug that, and thanks a lot for – see, I had to thank the clubby who came out to get my bags for me. What a guy. <laughs> Sounds good. Have a great day, Adam. Take uh, care. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. Thankless job being the commish. Yeah, it is. Oh, believe me, I've been there. I quit. Did you? I oh, was yeah. thinking about that. Here, Here's Mike Trout, who was just probably – Quiet, nice, fit, trying mm-hmm. to be a fair commissioner, and now he's drug into this. Yeah, in the, meeting. the I was worst. Th- I was thinking, who would ever want to be the commissioner? And what you do is you just, for example, Tommy had a, uh, an ESPN league. You just use the default settings, which I'm sure is what was happening in this league. Matthew Barry, somebody actually called Matthew Barry to ask about the situation, and he said, "Yeah, this is the way it is in our ESPN leagues. It's that's the default setting. Is that if a guy is out, you can put him on IR." I'm, I don't. I guarantee you that Mike Trout didn't change the rules on ESPN.com. He didn't go in and manually set a new league rules. I actually have more information about that, and I'll tell you next segment. I like that. Hey, don't forget Wednesdays with Wayno means another donation to Big League Impact from our friends at Chick Fil A. Stop by Wednesdays between two and four p.m. for a refreshing SunJoy drink, and a portion of sales goes towards Adam's work and the mission of Big League Impact. Your Killing Me Smalls is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Time now for... You're killing me, Smalls! Well, Randy, last segment we talked with the commissioner that we know, Adam Wainwright, about the Tommy Pham, Jack Peterson fantasy football dust-up. And Tommy Pham is done with his suspension. He didn't play yesterday as a precautionary um, measure because he was feeling discomfort in his left calf, but he did meet with the media to really give his side of things in this fantasy football dust-up. He said his hand is feeling good, by the way, the hand that levied the slap against Jack Peterson. Yeah, yeah, hand is feeling good, he said. And Jack Peterson gave his side of the story, had the receipts to Randy, showed the, the gif in question, he read the comments in question that allegedly upset Tommy Pham, and Tommy says that Jack only gave out half of the story and that he doesn't like that. 
He says that Jack actually sent a few comments poking fun at the Padres that upset Tommy Pham. He said, quote, it's more than one, and I've got screenshots to prove it. He sent more than a few joke aimed at me or the Padres, and that was only one. There was about four or five. He goes, and we had rules to the IR. I know the ESPN app rules, but we had our own individual rules. So he's saying that Jack Peterson is alleging that he looked up the rules, Mm -hmm. but that Tommy Pham is saying he knows that those weren't the rules we were playing by. Well, then Tommy should have receipts just like Jack Peterson does. Yeah, where are the receipts, Tommy? Yeah, come on. Let's let's show us. It, this is two years old, and it's over Jeff Wilson. <laughs> but did you hear Adam Wainwright? He says, I understand. I understand why people get really heated about this stuff. Yeah, and clearly a lot of money on the line. But I think Tommy's gone a little bit overboard with this. And then he doesn't just leave it to Jack Peterson. He also has to take aim at Mike Trout, who was the commissioner of the league. I want to know every baseball player that was in this league, by the way. Mm -hmm. I want a full captain's log of every player that was involved. And, Randy, wouldn't you love to see their side texts that don't include Tommy Pham and Jack Peterson, everybody else in the league, right, the fantasy football league that's talking about this playing out nationally in the media? But he said about Mike Trout, who's the commissioner, Trout, Trout did a terrible job, man. Trout is the worst commissioner in fantasy sports because he allowed a lot of bleep to go on, and he could have solved it all. I don't want to be the bleeping commissioner. I've got other bleep to do. Trout didn't want to do it. We put him on. We put it on him. So it's kind of our fault too because we made him the commissioner. Well, yeah, then it is absolutely your fault, and you shouldn't complain. And if Trout didn't want to be the commissioner, then I can guarantee you that even though Tommy Pham might have thought they had other rules, that they didn't get changed manually in the ESPN fantasy site because it's a hassle to go in and change rules. I guarantee you that everything was set on the default setting. And so Tommy might have thought the rules were different, but if you're going to force a guy to be the commissioner and he doesn't want to, he's not changing anything. Yeah, and we can't just go on the honor system here. If you yeah. if you want to abide by a certain amount of rules, they need to be written down. Right. Or you be the commissioner. Or you, well. Um, I got other blank to do. Listen, he's got another blank to do, but do we really want him to be the commissioner? This is the problem with baseball players playing fantasy football. Unwritten rules. They just think they can just, you know, tradition and all that stuff. No, you got to put these things down on paper. These are the problems it starts. Should all, All the problems should be solved now since he slapped Jack Peterson. Well, he says that he is putting it behind him, but he also ended with this, guys. He says, everyone in that group chat, everybody knows. I've had some of those guys reach out to me and they already know what's up. He's insinuating that the other guys in the league reached out to him saying, yeah, we agree with you. What Jock did was messed up. Well, then they need to go on the record, and this story needs to become bigger. I agree. And I mean, Jock, maybe, or Tommy, maybe they're just saying that because they don't want to get slapped. That could be. Who did wants ever, to get slapped? Did we ever think about that? Yeah, right. Uh, I'll tell you what. I can't imagine, and this is no disrespect to Mike Trout, who I'm sure is a fine commissioner. Good weather guy, too. Loves the weather. Mm-hmm. He would know all about whether we're going to get a game in today yep. here in St. Louis. I can't imagine anyone slapping anyone in a fantasy football league where Adam Wainwright is the commish. No. And Adam's got it right. Having been a commissioner before, just don't do the injured reserve rule. Just don't allow it. Force a player, if he's got a player that's out, to go get a different player. That's true. Be smart. Also, if I'm Adam Wainwright and I'm the commish after the Tommy Pham slap, I'm making sure everybody knows that Yadier Molina is my muscle. He yeah, is the commissioner's conciliary slash muscle. So if anyone's going to be slapping anybody in that league, they're going to have to deal with number four. Right. With the neck pads. Yeah. Don't want to do that.
You're killing me, Small. Martin St. Louis, Randy, was named Montreal Canadiens head coach. He signed a three-year extension. They dropped that interim tag, and he's going to be with Montreal for three years. So he's never going to land here. The Blues, the pre- previous ownership wanted St. Louis to be mm-hmm. in St. Louis in the worst way. That would be great. Yeah, but it's never going to happen. Can you imagine how many of those jerseys would have been sold? Oh, can you imagine? It would have been awesome. And that's evergreen, too. Yeah, forever. Just St. Louis, right. So good for him, though. He did a good job with the Canadians. The Blues went up there. I think he got his first win against the Blues. And they played better after he took over as coach. They went to the finals the year before. That was probably kind of a a mirage. But they do still have some good players. And Carey Price played at the end of the season. I'll be interested to see if he plays next year. He did a really good job. The team did respond to him when he became the coach. I think it's so interesting that he didn't have any experience. He had never been behind an NHL or an AHL bench prior to, to becoming the interim coach here. His only previous coaching experience in the NHL was as a special teams consultant with Columbus back in 2018. So is he the Mike Matheny of hockey or is he the Alex Cora of hockey? TBD. Aaron, Aaron Boone, I guess. Aaron TBD, Boone. I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. We'll see. Mike Matheny did have a good winning percentage here in St. Louis, right? He did, yeah. Overall, overall record was good. Yeah. Went to a World Series. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, his players are regressing again. It's not working out really well. I thought he made all those adjustments, though, Randy. I think he did, but his players aren't. He can only do so much. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls! And finally, after weeks of conversations with ownership and management, Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Utah Jazz, obviously with Roots here and Mo, his future still remains unclear. He could p- potentially leave Utah and decide to end his eight-year tenure with the franchise. Uh, always looking for a little bit better connectivity, and apparently that's not happening with the front office in New Utah with Quinn and, uh, and the Jazz front office. I'm wondering if... He would just sit the year out. I guess he could do TV next year because there aren't really many jobs available. Maybe somebody gets rid of a coach because Quinn Snyder is available. But, Matthew, I'm trying to think of where he would be a good fit. I'll tell you where he'd be a good fit, but I don't know if the players would like him, and that would be Brooklyn. Mm. In a million years, I could not picture him being on the set as an analyst, so now that's all I want because I cannot imagine his, like, I'm going. To, I'm about to snap and, and like snap somebody's femur over my leg if this play doesn't go the way I think it's going to. That intensity he always has on the bench, I can't see how that plays out in a TV studio. But now I kind of want to because I feel like it could be unintentionally hilarious. I wonder if he has a hair person or if he says, "Don't touch the hair. I handle this." Does he go full Amzinger? Ooh. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's a good question. You we'll know, ask Greg that tomorrow. I would imagine that he does his own hair. Because I can't imagine someone's doing his hair before games. No, he wouldn't. Right. So if he got on TV, he'd be infuriated if somebody came up and touched his hair. That's right. He's got a look to maintain. He he put on chapstick one time, and it was the most aggressive thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Hmm. Like on the bench, like an assistant coach handed it to him. He like takes one little scoop out, and I swear it was he was trying to like tear the skin off his lips the way he was doing it. Mm. He's the most intense person in the world, and it's so weird how this is playing out. So the Jazz offered to extend his current contract, and the fact that... He's still having conversations with them and hasn't accepted it. Doesn't that lead you to believe that he is going to leave? Yeah, probably resign. And maybe he's just waiting for somebody to fire their coach. If he were to leave, do you think the Lakers would regret not making more of a run at him or maybe considering him? I would say that the Lakers should regret that. Yeah. Being a little bit too aggressive with Darvin Ham and not interviewing enough people. Just wait wait for it to play out. It took forever for them to hire Frank Vogel. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know why they wouldn't wait this time. They Maybe they think they have their guy. Maybe Darvin Ham is their guy. Maybe he is the guy, but it does seem like Quinn Snyder would be a very good fit with the yeah. Lakers. Absolutely. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch of this edition of Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We've got a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax. Michelle, this is a big week. The Worldwide Technology Raceway Enjoy Illinois 300 is this weekend. And tonight, the campground will open, the Geico Campground. And tomorrow, they're going to have a huge fan fest at Ballpark Village from 4 to 8 p.m. So people like the uh, the race cars, they can get out to Ballpark Village tomorrow and then Friday and Saturday and Sunday at the track are going to be awesome. That sounds great. One uh, Another great sports event coming to St. Louis. Yeah, and you can still get some tickets available at www.raceway.com. It'll be fun. And the Cardinals are going to play today. Dan Looks said like we're going it. to get it in. I'm This weather app that I'm looking at, Apple, says we might have a break. See, but it says right now clear, but then at 10 a.m., 60%. All the way through 1, 1 p.m., it says 60%. Okay, we'll get it in. See this. This seems like it's gonna be. It could be a perfect day. Maybe, maybe a nice seven innings. Cardinals are up three zero. Rain rolls in around like three thirty, and you just go. You know what? Let's let's call this. One. Let's call this one, baby. Yeah. That's what I'm feeling. Like this is a, this is a nice. Let's have this thing wrapped up. You know, let's wash the hands off by by four p.m. I think. It also feels like one of those St. Louis days though, where I checked the app earlier and it said it was gonna rain all morning, and it doesn't look like it's raining nope. at all. Tonight, you've got Pat Maroon and his Tampa Bay Lightning taking on Ryan Reeves and his New York Rangers in the opener of the Eastern Conference Final. There's no way that the game tonight will be as crazy as last night's game was. And, Michelle, I don't think anybody wants to play really defense in that Colorado-Edmonton series. Mm -mm. I think it might be wide open the whole series. I hope that we see more games like we saw last night. How entertaining was that? And both goalies were out by the middle of the second period. Somehow, the... Avalanche were able to hurt uh, the goalie for Colorado, or, or the Oilers were. So he left. So they had to bring in Pavel Frankus. And Mike Smith was terrible. He allowed six goals. So they bring in their backup. Uh, and so it's going to be a series where every game might be eight to six. It's going to be great. Pat Maroon and Ryan Reeves, two tough former mm-hmm. St. Louis Blues going against one another tonight. Yeah. And if they fight. Revo probably wins. I think so. But if they play for a Stanley Cup championship, Maroon probably wins. I'll I'll take Pat Maroon on that one all day. Yeah, I think he's got he's, luck on his side. It might be four in a row for him. One of the greatest dynasties in the history of hockey. Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon by himself. It's amazing. Hey, great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Good job. Pleasure. Michelle, this was fun on a hump day. It, I can't believe it's hump day, Randy. Tomorrow, already Thursday. Friday Eve. Friday Tomorrow. Eve. Bizarre. It's happening in a hurry. Life comes at you fast. Yes, it does. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the College Football Playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. 
TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.